Welcome to Fables of Our Deconstruction, a podcast where we examine our systems of faith and culture together as we grow as people. I'm your host, Dylan. If you like what you hear, check me out at patreon.com slash Dylan. If you'd like to be on a future episode, leave me a message at 515-318-7569 or find Fables of Our Deconstruction on Anchor FM and leave me a voice message. Leave your name, otherwise I will keep you anonymous. Let's get into this. don't already know, I'm a millennial. I'm almost 35 years old. This means that when I was growing up, my access to the internet and what was the internet was very different from what it is now. I remember being only permitted on the dial-up on Fridays and Saturdays unless there was a specific need. I spent several of those Friday nights on Napster downloading Weird Al songs and Dragon Ball Z soundbites. I was supremely cool. However, we didn't consistently have internet as I grew through my teens. Even when we did, I had few friends uh, that had more allowance online, or even just a better connection. That meant I found myself making time for the web while at those friends' houses. Depending on the friend, we'd have a variety of goals while drifting through the infantile web at the turn of the century. This would be like 2000, like literally. One friend had a similar credulity as me when it came to all things woo-woo, and the early internet was a place rife with all the things strange, with or without evidence or even citation. If someone had a webcam looking for ghosts, we watched it. If someone had spells listed online, well, we downloaded them. If there was a database filled with cryptid and UFO sightings, we were on those databases. All the time. The world of the weird was as real to us as God back then. In fact, as most New Agey folks get, we considered it all one big garden of weird that was entangled up with God. Now, as a non-believer, I think it's all more intertwined than we ever thought. To quote the great Criswell in the 1990s film Ed Wood, If you look good and speak well, people will swallow anything. These days, I'm convinced that the more ready one is to believe in something with scant evidence, something like God, the more plausible it is that a person will buy into the healing factor of crystals or unseen monsters, both of which lack as much evidence as the man in the sky. A frequent line I hear reiterated that I love from the atheist communities that I'm in is that people deserve respect, but ideas, they need to earn it. I think it's important to bring up as we dive into ideas like aliens. I'm no longer convinced of alien visitation. I think most of the propositions are preposterous, but I don't think those who hold these beliefs are stupid. The relationship I had to the early internet and the weird has never fully died off, and in 2010, I was at the height of my involvement. I finally had friends willing to prowl around cemeteries and stare at the sky, and we were doing it. I was in college. In the summer, I worked 6am to 2pm at the local parks department. 
and then I slept, and I ate, so I could be outside in the dark from around 9pm to 2am. It was a hellish time of poor sleep, but I never attributed that poor sleep to anything we would experience that summer. In fact, that summer, as we were looking for weirdness, I was reading John Keel's Mothman Prophecies for the first time, and losing sleep over every noise I heard, every unusual behavior I saw, and I was generally just sinking into paranoia. But just because someone is paranoid doesn't mean they're wrong. It can mean they lack the faculties to step back and think clearly, though. I say all this to preface a true story. That summer, on Sunday, August 1st, at midnight, I saw a UFO. I didn't just see a UFO. I reported a UFO. I didn't just see one object. I saw several. And it wasn't just me. There were three of us. Here's the exact text from our report. Occurred. 8-1-2010. Five minutes past midnight. Reported. 8-4-2010. At 6-43 p.m. Posted. 8-24-2010. Location. Brandon, South Dakota. Shape. Fireball. Duration. Seven minutes. About seven to nine orange objects appeared in the sky to the east, moving northeast each faded out after about seven minutes. Sunday, August 1st, 2010, at 12 a.m., while traveling west on 264th Street, just outside Brandon, South Dakota, approximately 4.4 miles, the front seat passenger noticed an orange light in the sky to the north. Fully view the light, we continued through the densely wooded area to an opening on top of a hill. The front seat passenger and rear seat passenger tried to identify it as a star. However, it was visibly much larger than any of the other stars in the sky, including Venus and Jupiter. Also, it was a different color than either of the planets due to the size, and it appeared much closer. As we rounded the road to the top of the hill, about a mile and a half away from seeing the first light, the rear and front seat passengers turned to face the object which had now drifted to the northeast. Upon relocating the object and getting above the tree line, they noticed another light in the east. I, the driver, was also able to see the object clearly. We were only about a half mile from McCarty Road, which runs north and south. We decided to turn north onto McCarty to get a better view. While turning and advancing down the road, the sky became more visible as the trees receded below us, and about three more orange objects were clearly visible. The two passengers kept their eyes on the objects as we proceeded another half-mile north on McCarty before pulling over and stopping the vehicle. It was then 12.07 a.m., and we exited the car to watch the objects. At this time, we decided to call the New Fork Hotline, the National UFO Reporting Center, and reported the sighting. Also, there now appeared to be seven orange objects in the sky. During this time, the objects seemed to drift or float toward the northeast slightly, and nearly one by one, they faded out. It did not appear that they moved beyond our visible sight, just that they faded and were no longer present. It took approximately three minutes for the entire group of lights to completely fade. We clocked the time at 12.10 a.m. About 13 minutes passed, and the lights failed to return, so we decided to get back in the car and head east in the general direction of the lights. We traveled into Manly, Minnesota, before deciding to call it a night and turn back. Note, although many of the streetlights in this area were of similar color, 
What we witnessed was very clearly in the sky and above the horizon. Also, these things were moving. The next day, we phoned the National Weather Service and found that the wind direction was going south at 3 miles per hour that night and not to the northeast, the direction in which the objects were moving. All three of us are students at a reputable university and involved in noteworthy activities on campus. None of us were under the influence of any illegal or legal drugs or alcohol. That was the complete report that I had submitted to New Fork. You can find it up there, and I'll include the link down below. Rereading this almost 13 years later, my knee-jerk reaction is flares or paper lanterns. That's got to be the explanation. I'm still not certain what the objects were, but I can tell you I remember how heart-pounding those seven minutes were. There were seven minutes that lasted almost all summer due to my heightened paranoia. We were also asked to report the sightings to Bigelow Airspace which led me to being concerned I'd be followed by black sedans or men in black. <laughs> it was all a whirlwind to exist within, but 13 years and a dose of skepticism later, I have a different outlook on the scenario. Now, I'm willing to admit that yes, we saw something we couldn't understand. Yes, we never identified the lights. And yes, it probably was a good thing that we reported it. But, was it alien craft? No, I'm not convinced it was. Aliens like us are subject to the laws of physics. We didn't make up these laws. They exist written as equations because that's how we represent our understanding of how the world and the universe works. We have spent resources as people, as human beings, as a species looking for signs of intelligent extraterrestrial life. And I think that's an exciting concept. It's apparent to me that there's a non-zero chance of life out there somewhere, somewhere in the universe, but there's no evidence that life has visited us, even if they're interested in finding us. Evidence is more than anecdotes and stories. It's artifacts and data. It's compounded into experiments that can be repeated and can be used to make predictions. We don't just have any reasonable evidence to say that there's something from another world, creating half a dozen orange lights in South Dakota. We have no evidence that there's anything from another world visiting us at all. Yes, the story is interesting. Yes, the story is noteworthy. But before we jump to conclude that something without evidence is causing the lights, we need to find a way to rule out all other possibilities. We must, beyond reasonable doubt, eliminate the possibility that it was candles or lanterns, we must strike out the chances that it was flares or early drone works or even unregistered private aircraft. Furthermore, there is unimaginable, at least to me, an unimaginable amount of testable possibilities that I can't even begin to list that would all have near infinitely higher odds than Little Green Men. But here's the thing. The whole event took place more than 12 years ago. Seven minutes? more than 12 years ago, an unusual event that was experienced by three paranormal enthusiasts, one of which was sleep-deprived and hungry to see anything. Me. This event, in the grand scale of events, is minor. Digging up all the possibilities now seems futile. The best category I can fit it into is unexplained. And unexplained is a great category. The best evidence we have leads to an I-don't-know answer. 
and unless he could provide actual measurable evidence for beings from another world, aliens don't belong in the bucket of possibilities any more than gods, fairies, or flights of science fiction and fantasy. My conclusion on this story is I don't know, and I'm okay not knowing. I think one of the biggest challenges we have as people is embracing the fact that there's several times throughout our understanding of what we're experiencing that I don't know is the best answer. And if you find yourself leaping to conclusions that don't involve anything grounded, pause, take a step back, and acknowledge that it's okay to say I don't know. I don't know has more proof, more evidence, more grounding than the fantastic. So before we go today, I just want to thank all of you who've been uh, subscribed to my newsletter over on Substack. It's growing. Um, I've had a couple of unsubscriptions, but so far I have a huge opening rate to the people who are there are engaging and are really there. And that's a big deal for me. I want to apologize if I sound a little goofy this week. I'm I'm sick again. I don't know what it is. Twice in, in two months, basically. Uh, I've been stricken with something that's uh, kind of taken me out of the game. I've had days where I couldn't stream because I'm just a booger, which is not good. But thank you for everybody who's been supporting me, who's been listening to this podcast. Things are growing. I've got a lot of new work in the pipeline. I'm finishing my comic. And the best place for you to check that out Aside from where you're already hanging out is my Substack newsletter. It's Brimstone Studios on Substack. I got two newsletters up there. The big one is The Good Fight. And I just released one about how do you reconcile with yourself who you were when you began a project and how you're representing that self and who you've become now and how those things are different. How do, how do, how do we deal with that? So anyway... I'll leave you with that to chew on today as we move into the rest of the week. I'll be back in two weeks with another episode. And this has been Fables of Our Deconstruction. Fables of Our Deconstruction is created by me, Dylan Jacobson. Please like and review Fables wherever you get your podcasts. And join my community, The Brimstone Order, at patreon.com slash Dylan. I'd like to thank Apes of the State for the use of their song moments a year from now as my intro and outro. And if you have your own paranormal stories or anything you want to share about deconstructing your faith or cultural concepts, call in at 515-318-7569. Leave me a message. I'd be happy to have you on. And if you want to hop onto a, a stream with me, we uh, co-host uh, an entire podcast. I'm into that. Let's talk. And remember, you're never alone. We are in this together. <laughs> <laughs>